I don't know if you know what this picture is represent. Does anyone know what this uh, picture represents here? Well, it does kind of look worshipful. It's supposed to, yeah, Holy Spirit coming down. Katie, got an idea there? Well, today's a special day. You know what today is? It's Pentecost Sunday. That's right. So today's 50 days, the Penta, you know, the 50 days after Easter. And this is when the Holy Spirit came upon uh, the disciples there who were gathered in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit was released. Incredible power. Extraordinary story. We won't be going into that story today, although we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday. But, you know, Jesus gave his word that he would come back, and he did. Uh, but in the, and it was his spirit. He said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send you something better, and my spirit will, become, will be with you. And so, 50 days after Easter, uh, many churches will remember Pentecost Sunday, which we're doing today. And so I thought it was a great um, opportunity to start a new series, which we'll get to in a little bit. But so far this year, uh, so we're almost halfway through the year, believe it or not, crazy enough, We've talked about uh, cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and we do that by overcoming the, the deadly sins that God uh, wants to reveal in us as, we're, as uh, we're following Him. We do that by abiding in His presence we talked about. We talked about caring for our souls, and really the priority, one of the main priorities God has for our lives is that we become like Jesus. And so the first part of the year, we focused on cultivating the fruit of the Spirit which ultimately gives honor and glory to God. So I hope you've been doing that. I hope you've been putting into practice some of those things that we've been learning about, whether it's developing a regular pattern of confessing your sins, connecting with other believers, being intentional about caring for your soul, whether that for you that looks like finding rest or um, being part of a a group of people who can pray for you or getting healing prayer. You've probably heard that... uh, that we've talked about this healing prayer ministry, which we're getting going, and I'm really excited about that. So I know some of you have expressed interest, and we're looking forward to seeing what God does throughout. And, and then, of course, last week, we, as we remembered Memorial Day, we talked about how God uses suffering to produce, produce in us maturity, uh, and that God is using suffering to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our hearts. But the one thing we haven't talked about is this, that God uses, and this is our kind of main point for today, is that God also uses the gifts of the Spirit in order to produce in us the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are a tremendous gift that were released at Pentecost in many ways uh, for us to be able to cooperate with God in what He's doing and to continue the mission of Jesus in the world today. So praying for folks with power on the streets or like I had an opportunity at the gym to pray for someone who had who had this uh, nervous disorder, and just sensing the presence of God come. We can do those things because the Holy Spirit is with us, and this is what we're called to do. So I want to refocus our church again as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday on these tremendous gifts that God has given to each of us. So our our sermon series is Naturally Supernatural, Cultivating the Gifts of the Spirit. And then uh, today, what I want to talk specifically about as we go through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is the gift of being yourself, uh, as we speak more generally. We'll get into some of the specific gifts later on in the different weeks. So we're going to talk about specific spiritual big gifts, but I want to take the big picture look at, at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 about really why they're so important and why God wants all of us to be able to experience and use those gifts of the Spirit. So uh, without further ado, let's say a quick prayer, and uh, then we'll jump into some scriptures. And uh, by the way, just a little warning, today's going to be a little bit more... Um, I think it's always participatory, but even more so than usual. As we talk about spiritual gifts, I don't want to just talk about it. We're going to do it, okay? We're not just a 
church that talks about stuff. We're going to put it into practice. So be prepared to be able to, to try some things out. All right? So let's pray. God, thank you for your presence today. It was very uh, obvious as we worship or even before we worship, as we pray. Oh, Lord, we love your presence. We love you, Holy Spirit. And I ask that you would fill again and renew everyone who is feeling empty or everyone who is feeling tired or weary or burned or whatever, anxious. We pray that your spirit would rest upon us, refill us, refuel us, renew us once again. Have your way in our lives, Lord. And have your way, uh, as you have your way in us, would you transform the world around us, the hurting and the broken and the needy, through your power. So increase our faith in what you can do through ordinary people like us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, that I love it, that the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does is he takes ordinary people like us and makes us, enables us to do extraordinary things. And we'll be jumping into that. So if you could skip to the slide, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, the first one. Okay, so Paul's writing to a church that's struggling to understand these spiritual gifts themselves. And he teaches about the purpose, again, why they're so important. And he starts off by saying, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So one of the reasons Paul is writing this church in Corinth about spiritual gifts is because there's a lot of confusion about the spiritual gifts. They didn't understand them. Or they used, they operated these spiritual gifts, but they were misused, and it caused a lot of conflict even. And uh, if you think about that, it's kind of like today. In many, in many parts of the world or everywhere, you don't really hear much about spiritual gifts. You're not going to learn about spiritual gifts in public school, or in a lot of schools. You won't learn about spiritual gifts. Uh, it's the rare family that actively teaches their children about spiritual gifts and operates them. You won't uh, typically hear, uh, see a series on television or Netflix about spiritual gifts. They're, they're something that are kind of put to the side in terms of emphasis. And, and, and sadly, even in many churches, uh, the, the topic of spiritual gifts uh, is often relegated to something that's done just on a class or something that you, we've heard about, but not necessarily a key part of our worship service. And so what we want to do is we want to give the proper attention to spiritual gifts that the, the early church and what I believe Jesus wanted us to have. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing for that reason, because they're very important for a reason. And you might be able to relate. You know, I, I've been in communities where spiritual gifts have, have been used in a way that have seemed off-putting. I don't know if you've had experiences or there are churches or environments where you've been in spiritual gifts can seem odd. They can seem very strange. One of my first experiences with spiritual gifts, you know, uh, a gentleman went up into the front and just started screaming very out loud and using the gift of tongues. And I was very confused, like, what was going on? Because no one really explained that to me. Uh, and then maybe you've seen models on television. Maybe you've seen televangelists, like, waving their towel and smacking people in the face with them or whatever it might be. It just gives you this impression that, hey, like, maybe this is weird, and I don't want to have anything to do with those spiritual gifts. Uh, however, the spiritual gifts, they're very biblical. So what our church's stance on spiritual gifts is that they're just that. They're gifts. They're tremendous gifts from God, and we should use them and value them as such. And it's worthy of discussion 
and to have a central part of our worship and our liturgy together. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. You know, interestingly enough, over the course, so we've been together as a church, going on eight years, which is maybe we're celebrating our eighth anniversary coming up uh, in September. But over the course of the years, if there was one topic that seemed to confuse people or make people resist the most, uh, like wanting to come back to church or being, it's this actual, this topic. I've had people come to me and complain because they didn't agree with the use of a certain spiritual gift. They're like, why are you praying? You can't pray like that. Or It's, it's just bizarre. For whatever reason, this particular gift, this um, particular topic has caused people from different backgrounds to become full of tension or like maybe weirded out. I don't know what it is that people, it's, but it's different for every person. So with that said, you know, I think we're going to maybe bring up Teresa to teach up the rest of the series, so, so I don't have to deal with all the after... No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll do a little bit. She'll help us out. We'll have help. But we're going to have different people, various people, come and speak because they're gifted in different ways, and so we want to demonstrate that for you as well. But let me just say, say this, that uh, we, God, His Word, gives us the guidelines for how we use those gifts, and we as a church are to be equipped. We're not to toss them aside, but we're to be equipped to be use the gifts, but to use them in a naturally supernatural way. Because they can get weird if you, if you let them, if you kind of become imbalanced, you start adding all your own things and trying to use your gifts in your own power. But if they're truly empowered by the Spirit of God, and you are being the person God created you to be, the amount of blessing that can come to another person into a body is beyond imagination. I've seen God do incredible things, and God wants to do some incredible things in and through our community. So, so here we go. Let's, let's take a look at the next section there, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 2 and 3. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And when no one can and, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So here's part of the, the perspective that Paul's bringing. Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. You can't apply a mechanistic, a humanistic solution to a spiritual problem. What Paul's saying is there's spiritual problems, and he identifies them as mute idols also known as demonic or spiritual forces. There are spiritual forces at work in everyone's life. And each of us, when we go astray, whether we know it or not, or whether we acknowledge it or not, are being influenced by these mute idols, by spiritual forces. Now, they might be spiritual influences that are connected to the seven deadly sins. They could be spiritual forces or influences that are rooted in the history of a particular geography or region. They could be principalities or powers. Now, all of these spiritual forces are actively at work in, in, in the lives of, of all of us. And they particularly, Paul's saying, they were, um, they were led astray by them before they had the Spirit of, spirit of God. So in, in Conchahokan, which was known for its, its strong work ethic, uh, you could imagine, we can not just imagine, but we can, we can probably, you can even sense that a spirit of workaholism is built into the DNA of this, this general area. People work themselves to death and think work is the way to, to life and achieve life. And there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with work, but work apart from God equals, equals, uh, equals a really bad 
burning out kind of life. And we've experienced, I think, all of that living in this area to some degree or another. Or in America today, there are spiritual forces behind the violence that has happened. There is a spirit of violence that has embedded itself in the roots of American history and that we see coming to play today. Okay, so yes, there are laws and things that can help and there are, there are ways that we can manage that and we can come together, but we can't, the pro, one of the problems that we keep running into as a country and even as people is we try to apply political solutions to spiritual problems. Now, political solutions are helpful, but they won't solve the root issue. And so we need to apply spiritual solutions which God provides to his people through the power of the Holy Spirit to these, to these issues that Paul is identifying here. And uh, people who profess faith in Jesus, they, they have an allegiance to a spirit, but it's not these mute idols. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God's perfect, pure spirit, one of the members of the Trinity who fills, fills each of us. And uh, part of the issue today also we experience is that in order to operate fully in the power of the spirit and experience God's kingdom, we can't, just, we can't expect that we can have all of God's kingdom if we're not submitting ourselves to Jesus as the king of the kingdom. And that's a big problem in our culture today. People want to experience and they want to have the kingdom, but they don't want to have Jesus as their king. And Paul's saying is here, if you can tell a spirit by, by, by its, uh, if it's good or bad, by whether that spirit identifies Jesus as Lord or not, Jesus as the king, which is what a Lord is, is a king and ruler. And so any kind of spiritual influence that points toward Jesus as the king or the ruler is of the spirit of God. And anything that steers otherwise, whether it's subtle or obviously, is not of God. So that's the test. That's kind of the litmus test for spiritual health. Uh, as you look at and you, as you interpret and as you kind of consume media and you have conversations with people, if you want to know whether there's a good spirit behind it, identify what, how does that point toward Jesus? Does it lift Jesus up or does it, does it not, does it do something uh, other than that? Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, let's look, continue and read a couple more verses here. G Paul says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the, the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then I'll just kind of cap it off because I'm going to read the middle section in a moment, but to make the same point. He summarizes this. All of these, and it's, he just lists specific manifestations, are one of the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So remember, Paul's writing to a church community who met in homes uh, and met typically in small type groups. And there's different various sizes. But the Holy Spirit is the one who isn't working, but he works in different ways in each person. So the Holy Spirit is operating differently, even though it's one spirit. And if you profess faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells you and is at work in you through these kind of gifts that Paul's referring to, through these spiritual gifts. And that makes you, not only just because you have the Spirit of God, but you have a specific kind of gifting in you. And that makes you special. That makes you unique. That sets you apart from every other human on the planet. It sets God's people apart. You are special. You are unique. You are gifted. And you are called for a very specific purpose. 
And that is, that is key to understanding our identity and your identity as a human being. It is directly connected to the giftings and the callings that the Holy Spirit has given you in your life and wants to use you even on a situational basis. Now, the thing is, God gives us these gifts, and that's the truth. He gives us these manifestations, and he's, he's released it. He's done everything he can. I mean, it's Pentecost. Jesus died, rose from the, dead, from the grave. But, we te- but the problem is that we ignore. We're ignorant, just like Paul said in the first verse. We're ignorant of these gifts. Either we're not aware or we ignore. We can be ignorant or we can ignore these gifts. Those are two ways that they get ignored. One of the most powerful um, experiences that I had that illustrated this point to me happened in college. So when I was in college, I worked um, in a very esteemed establishment called uh, the dining hall. And I used to wash dishes and clean out grease out of mats and things like that. Um, But my my day came when this little box appeared at the welcome table to the dining hall. It was a promotional uh, event by the Ocean Spray Company. And all you had to do is you had to stick a piece of paper with your name and email on it in the box, and you would be entered into a drawing for winning a new red shiny bike. And at that point in my life, I had four of my bikes stolen. So I thought, well, if I'm going to work at this dining hall, I'm going to take advantage of this situation. And every time I go to work, I'm going to fill out four to five slips of paper with my name and email. So over the course of the two-week promotion... At the end of those two weeks, I got a phone call and said, Rich, you're the winner. And I said, wow, what do you know? I'm the winner of a red new shiny bike, Ocean Spray. And they said, come on down to pick it up. So I got my new, new red shiny bike, and I rode, it, I rode it down Locust Walk there up to 40th Street. I rode it back. I rode it to Wawa. I rode it down the Schuylkill River on the side of the Schuylkill River. It wasn't a miraculous bike. I, I rode it everywhere, and I loved it, and I locked it up, and I kept it in my room, and it was the best experience I had, and it was redemption for me. After four stolen bikes, my shiny new red mountain bike that I could take anywhere. Now, one of the interesting things was, and this was such a gift to me, tremendous gift, is that I, I didn't know that they ran this promotion at all the dining halls. So there are like three or four dining halls all across campus, and one of the dining halls that was on the other end had given away a bike, and that bike... Uh, I noticed because that same exact bike sat locked up next to one of the, um, the, the dormitories. And every time I would drive by, the same bike would be in the same exact position, not moved, and through the springtime, through the wintertime, through the summertime, you could see the tire got deflated, the paint started to peel, the rubber started to be, fall apart, and it was very sad to me that that person, they received the, the same exact gift. And what they did, was it, did with it is they took it and locked it up on a fence outside their dormitory, never to be used again. Now, I think you can see probably the connection there. Is that some people, some professing believers, were given the Holy Spirit. They're given these tremendously incredible gifts. Some of them take it and they... They take it for a test drive, and they ride it up and down the river, and they ride it to Wawa, and they ride it everywhere they can go. They shine it. They polish it. They get the the brakes fixed. They take it into the shop. They learn how to use it. Then others just simply take it and chain it up, never to be used again. And sadly, my friends, 
This is the state of spiritual gifts today. And we need to not be ignorant of the spiritual gifts, but to take them and use them and help one another to use these gifts so that the body of Christ can become the fullness of who Jesus is for, number one, for one another, but also for the world. See, we cannot accomplish the mission of Jesus, which is a naturally is a supernatural, impossible mission. If you think about what he said to do, basically he said, go change the world and make everyone like Jesus, <laughs> right? That's what Jesus told us to do. Now, that's kind of hard to do, in my opinion. I can't do that. You can't by ourselves. But God has equipped us. He's given us authority and power by the power of the Spirit so that we can then go and do the very things he's called us to do. And when we do that, when we use the gifts God has given to us, like me riding that shiny bike with the wind blowing through my hair and a giant smile on my face, not only do we do what God's called us to do, but we experience two things. We experience fruitfulness. We see God do things. And we experience the fulfillment that God has created for each of us. You may have heard of um, Eric Little, uh, who, who is a runner, I think, back for uh, England back in the uh, early 19th century. And, when he, and he had the famous quote in uh, Chariots of Fire. And he says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. You see, God has created and gifted you and called you to do something, that thing, that when you do it, you experience the pleasure of God. You have been called and created and gifted as a follower of Christ to do supernaturally natural things for his honor and glory. And it is part of your responsibility as a follower of Jesus, as a child of God, to discover, to activate, and to use those gifts for his honor. And when you do, get ready, because it is a wild ride. And this is what Paul is talking about here. He distributes that to each one as he desires. Now, you don't get to decide. The Holy Spirit decides, but we can play, we can play uh, a huge role in that. Now, I don't want you to miss this point. Here's... here's one of the main application points here from what Paul is saying is that when you remove yourself or when you're not engaged in community in some way, when you isolate yourself or when you pull back, when you're not using those spiritual gifts, what's happening is, is that the blessing God intends to give to others through you goes missing completely. In other words, you're, when we when we don't engage and use these gifts or we remove ourselves for whatever reason for the thing, because of things that are going on in our lives or because of other choices that we make, other people miss out on the blessings God wants to give. You see, we talk about going to church and attending church, be part of small group, all these relationships. Remember, in the end, it's not about you getting something good from church. That, that does happen. and I, that, That's my desire. I want to get good things from church. But ultimately... Think about church life and Sunday service, what we do here, weekend service, all these engage, you know, engaging out in the street. Think of those things as, hey, God has given me something to give to someone else. In other words, it's not about you, it's about others. How many times do we think about church in terms of today, God has given me something that I can offer to another person? And that, in every gathering, is the, the perspective that Paul brings and what God wants to give each and every one of us. And so today, and that what we're going to do in a little bit, 
as we're going to do a mini, mini spiritual gift exercise to put this into practice. Every time you're together, whether it's, you know, you don't have to be Ben Mel with the guitar up there, which is a tremendous gift, Ben. <laughs> but you can, you, it's not, you don't just go to attend church and lead. That, there is nowhere in, in the Bible where that is the model for how church is meant to be done. The biblical model is you are given a manifestation or gift of the Spirit that is, meant, it is empowered by the Spirit of God supernaturally in order to bring transformation, change, encouragement, and love to another person or people, plural. That is the biblical model, and that is the model that we want to use as a church. So, with that said, he talked about manifestations. I want to talk about a different kind of gifting. So, he's talking about manifestations here, and um, manifestations really are situational. So let's take a look at this, um, and here's the specific list. So he talks about specific kind. Now, I'm not going to go into detail. I'm just going to mention them briefly because I want to get to the exercise part uh, sooner than later. But he says this, to each one there is given a spirit of a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. Uh, I mean, this is like a list of superpowers that he wants to give people. And every single, like almost every single movie where, or TV series or whatever, like you see all these series and movies today where the person has lost their power and they need to rediscover it and then they go out into the world and do incredible things. You know what that's an illustration for? That is God empowering uh, movie makers and TV producers to get his message across to his people. This is about what God's doing. This is the actual thing God wants to do in the world today. And so he's mentioning all of these things. I mean, that's pretty exciting. When you see that stuff happen, that's pretty exciting. Now, these are situational manifestations. Okay, let's call them spiritual, uh, spiritual gifts but um, rather manifestations, so situational spiritual gifts. And um, uh, they can happen in any instant. So I'll give you one little example. So I was at a small group the other night, and uh, my friend Craig, is Craig in the room? Craig, it's his, Craig's birthday. Happy birthday, Craig. Let's rush Craig. There we go. <laughs> so we took some time to just do stuff, like do Holy Spirit. So we said, come Holy Spirit. He was praying for me, and he got this as he was praying, and Craig's not like, he's not like a lifelong veteran at this. I mean, he's just starting out, right? He's just, but he's like, oh, I'm okay, I'll do this. Rich, you, fine, let's do this thing. I'll do it. So, and then he gets this powerful image for me. Um, uh, and it's like this image of this, this guy holding this big weight on his back and just like feeling burdened by it. It's like this globe or maybe Atlas or some, some kind of image of that sort. But then he saw these other people coming along and taking the pieces of that globe and carrying it for with him. And it was this beautiful image of that God was in, because at that moment I was feeling really burdened by all the things I had to do, the pastoral weight, you know, issues, trying to bear the burden of people's, you know, different, different issues that I often, um, you know, pray about and just carry. So, and then, but I saw these other people taking these pieces away and it was tremendously encouraged. It was a message from the Spirit, really about this very thing that we're talking about, that it's not 
that it's not the pastor's role to carry the weight of the church or the world on their shoulders. No, it's the people of God carrying together. And so that was the manifestation. It's a, a message of wisdom that was given to me in that moment that, that the Holy Spirit empowered Craig to do. And he wants to do this all the time with all of us in each of our lives. And when we gather together and we put it into practice, invite the Spirit, we can get to see God do these extraordinary things through ordinary people. Okay, now, before we practice, I want to talk about uh, one other thing as well. Uh, and that's this. This is that Paul, there's, there's, and then there's like different kinds of teaching about spiritual gifts, but it's not a one or the other, it's a both and. Now, there's a lot of history, but I'm just going to put it this way. These are manifestation situational gifts that you can get in, in, in the moment. So in other words, these gifts, you don't necessarily have it, you're not carrying it in your pocket or anything. It's that in the moment, the Spirit empowers you, gives you the gift, and then it's gone. And you go into a different situation, and it gives you another situational manifestation. Okay, so that's kind of how the Spirit operates. However, there's another way that spiritual gifts work as well, and it's not an either or, it's a both and, and these are called constitutional gifts. They're built-in gifts that you do carry around with you because of who you are and how God's gifted you on the inside. So it's not one or just the other. So we'll take a look. Verse 27, now you're the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, uh, helping, guidance, different kinds of tongues. And he goes on to ask, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Those are rhetorical questions. You're supposed to say, no, 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 Paul, no, no, no. Now he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So the manifestations are given in the moment, but then there's these constitutional gifts that are more role-oriented that you carry around with you. And so not only can God use you situationally in that list of any of the things that we saw there, okay, but God has given you constitutionally built into you, into your spiritual DNA, so to speak, a specific gift mix that makes you uniquely you, that you carry around with you wherever you go. And that's a potent combination. That, like, what the Spirit of God can do through you and wants to do in you is incredible. And I think most people have not even tapped 1% of the potential. You are special, you are unique, you are called, and you are gifted to do supernaturally incredible things for the glory of God and for the well-being of people. That is our calling. And that's what we're going to explore specifically throughout the series. We'll talk about some specific gifts. We won't have time to do every single one, but I want to call people and begin uh, building a common uh, vernacular, a common vocabulary for how we can be operating in these gifts together and really a common practice. And we're going to do that, uh, like I said, just today. So there's a bunch of other scriptures I was going to have us read it, but I want to, I, I'm feeling the sense the need to just have more time doing it. But um, what I want to just, I want to conclude by saying is this. I've said it probably a million times already today. But as a member of the body of Christ, you need to understand how important your role is. All of us, including myself standing here today, we underestimate the potential that each of us have in when we're in Christ and full of the Spirit. Your presence in church and out of church matters. It's a life, it's a matter of life and spiritual death. What God has given you, 
Don't underestimate. What God has given to you is meant to be a blessing and encouragement to another person. And you didn't probably think of it today, but God is going to use you. Maybe you did. But God's going to use you today in this, in this service right here to be able to give, give life and to operate in his spiritual power. Okay, so I'm going to stop talking about it because I want to create some more room for, for, uh, for us to practice this. Okay, we do, have, we do have a good amount of time. But just imagine, just as we, as we conclude, just imagine if every single person in our church, even just the few folks that are here you know, in our small little church, if every person, however, was operating at their full potential of spiritual gifting, just imagine the impact that that would have not only in our own church, but outside in the world. I mean, it is almost unimaginable to see what God can do. And I can tell you story after story, but I think God wants to continue to write that story in, into the life and the history of our church starting now. You may have heard the phrase this, God's not looking for your ability, but he's looking for your availability. Our role, my friends, is not to be the superhero. It's to depend on the one who is. And so what we do is we make ourselves available to the Spirit of God who has the power and then offer what God gives us to another person. That's, not the, pers- that's the perspective. It's not, I need to do this. It's, God, what are you doing? What are you giving me? And how can I pass that along to, to the next person? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, what I want to do is take some time here and... I would like, let's skip to the, can you skip to the last slide with the scripture on it, which references the, the list of the manifestations of the Spirit? All right. So what I want to do, so look at this list. Here's the starting point. And it's not an uh, exhaustive list, meaning the Holy Spirit does do more things than just this. But these are a lot of the common ones. Okay, message of the Spirit of wisdom. So that is wisdom from God that help that's pertinent to that person's life, and it's something the Holy Spirit inspires that you might not even know that would, would help that person, okay, in the moment, right, right now in their life. Another one, a message of knowledge. People have typically, historically, used word of knowledge, and they think of that as something like knowledge, but it's actually, uh, my, one of my professors earlier did his PhD work on that. What that, that phrase means is a knowledge previously inspired by scripture. It's knowledge from the Bible. So God might give you a scripture verse that's actually relevant to that person's life. So God might, when you're praying for someone, you're listening, he might give you that. Another is faith for something that's happening, so on and so forth. A healing, gift of healing. So anyway, we'll talk about tongues and prophecy next in the next few weeks. Um, and I'm excited to hear about that. But are you willing to try? Are you, re- you ready to try this? If you're not, you can sit it out. You're welcome to. Um, but listen, God's empowered you by the Spirit to do incredible things. And if, if you want to start walking in it, you got to start walking in it. You got to practice. Okay, so we're going to practice this together now. So here's what we're going to do. If you're comfortable, uh, you can participate. If not, you can, you can literally sit it out. Just so stay seated. There's no pressure to do this at all, whatsoever. You don't have to do this, but it's fun, and God wants to use you to bless someone, so might as well. And remember, it's not for you. It's for the person that you're going to bless just by being. So uh, the objective is, is we're going to invite God's presence. We're going to ask him to give us something, whatever it is, whatever the first thing comes to mind, and it often will maybe sound like a word of encouragement. If, if anything, if you don't know, if you don't hear anything, you could just say, you know what, 
God loves you and you're special and you're the best. And I want to give you knuckle sandwich or whatever. I don't know. You don't have to say that part. That's weird. That gets a little weird. Uh, but what I'm saying is uh, say something that's, that's encouraging to the person. Ask God to give you something that will be loving and encouraging and joy-giving and whatever it might be. So the way the Spirit works is that if it's full of love and helps bring joy to their life or peace, you're on the right track, okay? So you guys willing to do this, to try this out? Okay, all right, let's do this. Stand up. Let's stand up. We're going to have a little everybody's on the prayer ministry team kind of exercise. Even you um, AV guys can participate if you want. All right. Okay, now what you have to do is you're going to partner up with someone you don't know as well. So if you came with somebody, it works better, and it's more effective if you, do, you know someone who you don't know a lot about. So it's an encouraging word that might seem random, but it's actually from so. Go stand next to someone you don't know as well that you feel comfortable standing next to. Okay, so go do that. That's step number two. <laughs> Give me anyone. And if you're at home... Uh, you can stand next to whoever's there next to you. Or I'm not sure if you're by yourself how this will work. All right. So I'll give you a second to stand next to somebody. It could be anyone. You'll probably know them to some degree, you know, and that's okay. But it's better, it works better if it's not someone you came with. All right. Okay. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite the presence of God. And I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to ask God to give you an encouraging word for the person. It could, be, it could be any of these. So it could be a message of wis- something wisdom for them. It could be something that builds their faith. It could be a, something God wants to heal in that. It could be any. So just kind of use that as a general blueprint for how you process what you're thinking. And then we're just going to do a minute, and then you're going to share one thing that you feel like you, that God wants to give them. Okay? So encouraging words. So let's just do that. I'm going to give you a minute. I'm going to pray. We're going to take a minute, and then you share. Any questions? Okay, let's do it. All right. So Holy Spirit, thank you for the manifestations that you give us. And I pray right now that you would manifest yourself in a word of encouragement and love for the person that we're standing with right now. In Jesus' name, bring life and speak. I'm going to give a, just like I said, a minute of silence for you to listen. And just the first thing that comes to mind, whatever that is. Amen. Amen. 